Welcome to Seaside 101 Season 2. We're your hosts, Brody Hillman, Ryan Barroza, and Abby Nofield. This podcast is a collaboration between Seaside High School Future Business Leaders of America and the City of Seaside. For Season 2 of this podcast, we are going to continue to deep dive into what makes Seaside, Seaside. Our goal is to educate the public and inspire people to get involved in their communities. On today's episode of Seaside 101, we'll be talking about tourism in Seaside. For our first guest, we have Joshua Heinemann, Tourism Marketing Director. Joshua works at the City of Seaside Visitors Bureau. Welcome. Um, welcome back, I guess I should say. Um, welcome to your new episode with the three of us. Um, Thank you. We are excited to have you back. Um, go ahead and tell us, you know, new listeners or same listeners, just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, all that fun stuff. Yeah, so uh, I work for the city of Seaside, I'm a tourism marketing director. So, um, and uh, I've lived out here for about four years. We live in Astoria, work in Seaside every day, and um, most recently moved over here from Portland and um, lived in San Francisco before that for a long time, went to college in Portland and grew up in the Midwest, Minnesota. So, been all over the place. Love it out here on the North Coast. Uh, love being in Seaside and working in Seaside. I don't know. What else do you want to know about me? Well, what's one of the things that drew you to Seaside instead of the other places you've been? Well, th- this this was very specifically for this job. Really? Yeah. So I was, you know, uh, I think when you grow up in the Midwest, the Pacific Ocean takes on this like almost mystical thing. I mean, the, re- the reason I ended up on the West Coast at all is right after high school, one of my friends and I were taking a trip to the West Coast. We were driving down the Oregon coast, and we got a flat tire in Coos Bay. Mm-hmm. And we were like, yeah, cool, let's stay here for the winter. And I did, and I ended up working at the newspaper there for oh, the cool. winter. Um, and that's how I got kind of fell in love with the Oregon coast. Mm-hmm. But this was very specifically for this job. I was living in Portland, and I saw the job uh, come up when John Rail was headed over to City Hall. And I was like, yeah, yeah, tourism marketing for a rad beach town. I could do that, of course. And then, and then the application was so serious. I mean, it was like an essay, like a 15-page essay, <laughs> and then like an in-person interview where you had the community there, the city manager, and a whole and and the other applicants mm-hmm. from there was one from Florida, and you know, I, I was Gosh. like, whoa. Uh, this is serious. I just kind of wanted a cool, fun beach job. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think people underestimate how seriously the community members in this small beach town, like, you know, everyone, we all want to know everything, and everyone is, like, super involved, and I, I think that's one thing that people don't necessarily expect. Like, you're, if, you're absolutely if right. If you don't grow up here, I feel like, especially in bigger towns, too, but everyone here, like, you know, it's just... Something happens, mm-hmm. everyone's going to be there, everyone's going to know about it. Yeah, You're going to be familiar with everyone in about two weeks. Yeah. It's the beauty of a small town. Yeah, and I was like that, and I was meeting, like, you know, little old ladies who lived on the hill who came down. I was like, how did you hear about this? I mean, how did you know this was going on? And, and uh, so, yeah, it was, it was great. And that, being out here now for four years, and... In tourism, we spend a lot of time traveling to other destinations and seeing what they're doing and talking. And um, 
working at a city as well. We're working with Cannon Beach and Astoria and all these other places. And we're just so lucky to be in Seaside. I mean, this town is unlike anything else. I didn't really realize how lucky we were being when, we were for, when I was first getting into it. I just kind of lucked out. What do you think attracts people to Seaside uh, compared to other coastal towns? What is, what's the one thing that, you know, what makes Seaside stand out? Well, part of the answer to that question, I think, is, is honestly proximity to the metro areas in Portland and Washington. That's why, you know, you have people in Seattle coming to Seaside. It's the gateway to the Oregon coast in a lot of ways. But also, once they get here, I mean, Seaside has these kind of inherent qualities as well. The big sandy beach that is, I mean, it's just, it's getting sandier, actually. I mean, it's, it's um, if you look at pictures 100 years ago, it was mostly cobblestone. Um, and it, now the sand goes above the aquarium. I mean, it's, it's growing sandier. Um, so, and you have the promenade, which is, um, you know, pretty common on the East Coast and in Europe and stuff, but it's unheard of in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and so you kind of have this, people come here and then they decide to come back. You get a generational visitation kind of thing. When I was first moving out here and I told people in my neighborhood that I was coming out here, they were just, you know, all these people came out of the woodwork and said, I've been coming to Seaside for 30, 40 years, you know. So like anything, it's a complex answer. But mm-hmm. it's, it's because it's easier for people and it's because it's amazing. What are some of the main tourist attractions we have here in Seaside? You don't know? Don't you live here? <laughs> well, there's a beach. Definitely. Pacific Ocean, um, and the prom, uh, shopping on Broadway, you know, the aquarium. Um, the aquarium is one of the, the aquarium has, have you ever been up to the, uh, the old apartments above the aquarium? I have. It's amazing. It it's is. like a time capsule from the 1970s or something. There used to be apartments up there. Huh. And now it's for storage. A lot of stuff mm-hmm. for the Downtown Development Association is up there. But, um, you know, it used to be a saltwater natatorium. Now it's uh, the old, like the oldest independently owned aquarium on the West Coast or something like that. I mean, it, it really is something. And then you have the Carousel Mall, which is on the grounds of um, the, um, oh, what, what, what was it called? It was a ballroom. It, it was basically this, I wish I could remember the name of it now, but it used to be, it was a place where Duke Ellington would play. It was like on the mar- on the circuit. People would go to Seattle, Portland, Seaside, and play, and, you know, play there. And there's, there, there's just a lot of amazing spots. So, um, and then, of course, the Funland Arcade and the Captain Kids. I mean, there's a lot of stuff for families to do. There's lots of great hiking. Um, you can just come here and relax if you want in a, you know, in a hotel go down to the lanai and watch the surfers outside your hotel or you can be right in the thick of it you know at the world mark or the seashore inn or the new salt line hotel and walk to everything so with tourism being a big part of seaside do you think it's like on an increase or maybe a decrease what do you think well um certainly if you were looking at a time span of um you know the last few years or the decade, it's on an increase, uh, in, in a very intense increase. Yeah. And COVID has actually increased that. Mm-hmm. 
So um, there is now this just just this last quarter, it kind of flattened out for a whole host of reasons. But before that, we had seven consecutive record growth quarters. And if you look at historical bed tax receipts, it's it's grown quite a bit. What would you attribute that to? The growth? Mm-hmm. Well, marketing, right? No. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, the growth. Some of it is. Some of it is when when the bed tax. Um, so we so the city puts um, a tax on hotel rooms, and when someone spends the night, there's a little bit of money that goes back towards the city that has to be spent on tourism promotion. And so one of the things that tourism promotion does that isn't always understood is that we spread the visitation out into a kind of a year-round pattern. And so whereas people have been coming to Seaside forever in the summer, um, it usually was a lot slower in the winter and there was kind of some seasonality about businesses and stuff like that. Well a lot of the growth that we've seen has been in those shoulder seasons. So um, uh, October through uh, December and January through March, those quarters are typically the kind of really slow seasons. Each of those quarters now has uh, hotel tax receipts over a million dollars in those quarters alone. Um, you know, and that's, that's, that's a result of, of marketing and, and really trying to showcase why you'd want to come out here in January and watch a storm and go, you know, and go um, wait for those sun breaks and go out uh, beachcombing or something like that. Because re- people just kind of get in their head that the beach is a summer activity, but Seaside's really kind of turning into a year-round mm-hmm. destination. And, I mean, even in the last couple of years, like, I wouldn't Seaside has kind of done, like, some almost like rebranding. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got like you know the new the new signs on your way mm-hmm. into town. Um, what's what's kind of the inspiration behind that? What audience are you trying to cater to? Well, the branding project happened right before I arrived here. Mm-hmm. Um, Hearing some of the stories, it's been it's been really interesting actually because it was it wasn't a very popular idea at first to rebrand because things were going well. Um, you should really talk to John Rail about this because he was the one who was doing it at the time. But you know he really felt that having a distinct, modern, colorful, fun brand would be something that would pay off in the end. And you really needed to get ahead of it and do it while things were going well, rather than kind of do the Domino's version where you wait till everyone hates your pizza and then you try to rebrand and say, yeah, I know we sucked before, but, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it really paid off, and our, our brand is, you know, one of the most noticeable and easily picked out uh, tourism brands and and sort of, sort of copied at this point. I mean, um, it, it isn't so much about... Who do you appeal to? Just that you're distinctive and easily, um, and, you know. Tillamook, Tillamook County did a uh, study recently of of their tourism positioning, and during that study, they asked people about different tourism slogans. And the it's easy to seaside slogan ranked number one in their in their research because it it literally has the name like right mm-hmm. in it, you know. So people really were able to recall that well, and so. 
I think it was just a really successful experiment. But it does showcase all the things there is to do. I mean, I think if, if you remember a, a while ago, I think it, the tagline was more than a day at the beach or something like that. Honestly, I, I couldn't even tell you. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you're fighting a lot of this. It's just a beach town. Yeah. What do you do? Just go to the beach, you know. But now we produce, you know, our visitor guides are, you know, 50-page full-color magazines mm -hmm. with things to do all year, and we print 100,000 of them. This year, we have 4,000 left right now, and we still have two and a half months of distribution to go through, and we mail those to people through our website. We put them all over, um, you know, welcome centers around the state and in Washington and through a variety of other means. Um, you know, they, there's a lot to do here now, um, a lot to cover. I, I work um, off Broadway. I work at Seaside Coffee House um, for Michelle, and I thought you looked familiar. Yes, I, we <laughs> we've met a couple times. Um, but even then, we I mean, like we have some of those, and people will even ask for the ones from years past. They'll be yeah. like, "Do you have ones from last year too?" And and they're like, "Do you think we can take these?" Like people are so eager to like really flip through it, and they love to sit there and um, ask us about those things. Um, what do you think the difference is between getting locals to do the things in there? To Like, how do you cater to both? Because we are in a tourist town, right? Mm -hmm. How do you cater to both locals and tourists? Well, I guess you would hope that the, the things that are developed for tourists are, are applicable to people who live here and you want them to enjoy it just as much. Like the prom is a good good example. It's 101 years old. It was built for visitors in a sense. I mean, it was built for the whole state. Even the governor's proclamation when it was dedicated basically says, this is for everyone. This is everyone's thing. But I would argue that people who lived in who live in Seaside get the best part of that deal because they're the ones that get to be out there when the sunset is perfect, you know, and they don't have to time it to their vacation or whatever. So tourism nowadays is, is a lot like that. You know, you, there are some events that maybe the city doesn't, doesn't really get involved in events so much. It permits and we, pr we help some support and promote, but there are some events, you know, that, you know, if you're local, might make things difficult for a few hours. Like the hood to coast thing might be annoying for a few hours or something like that. But on the flip side of that, you have Seaside Brewing and the Times Theater. You have the arcade. You have all these restaurants that are on the North Coast food trail that are focused on local sustainability. Um, you have Seaside <coughs> Coffee House, which um, is like a living room. All these places. Um, that really all that stuff couldn't exist just on the 6,500 people or so that live in Seaside. You just wouldn't be able to have that variety of experience available. You need to have that and hopefully year-round support of a tourist. So, so it really kind of adds to the character of the town for locals alike to have, to have that extra traffic through here. And there's a lot of extra traffic. We only recently got a data plan that monitors digital 
devices coming in and kind of lets us know in aggregate aggregate where they're coming from, how long they're staying, what parts of town they're going to. And it's it's pretty amazing because the local it attracts locals as well, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, but the local line stays, you know, flat through the year really. There isn't a lot of change. You get a little people coming in from Astoria like me. Is that a local or is that not local? I mean, I guess we'll consider them local. Um, but the tourism line, there are times in the summer where Seaside has 30, 35,000 people in it on a certain night. In fact, there are spans of the summer, let's say from fireworks to head to coast, where on any given night you might have around twenty to 30,000 people in Seaside. That's a higher population density than Portland. Mm-hmm. And on some of the busiest days approaching like, you know, Los Angeles. I mean, that's... And, and, and that has implications for the city as far as resources, police, fire, public works, all this kind of stuff. And so it's, I'm really excited that we're getting a, like a handle on those actual numbers. But it just goes to show you in, in, in the summer, well, actually, and during even nice weekends, you're living in a town much bigger and much more urban and, and ex- dynamic then it really looks like on paper when someone looks at the map and says, oh, Seaside, you know, cool, 6,000 people live there on the coast. It must be quaint, you know, mm-hmm. quaint. It's not quaint. Nothing about Seaside is quaint. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I, I, we're, working on, we're working on advertising with a, um, with a local, well, with a metro area paper. And uh, one of the first steps is always to, pull the word quaint out of everything because mm-hmm. for some reason when you think about the Oregon coast the word quaint just comes up and which is so yeah. bizarre because I think of the Oregon coast and I think like massive ocean mm-hmm. I don't think anything no, no. epic yeah. I don't know like yeah. quaint I don't Everything know besides yeah so I'm a little salty about that right <laughs> yeah. now because I'm just like really again <laughs> no I, I mean even what you said like there's just something kind of magical about being here I mean, especially, like, during things like um, the, like, Festival of Truth. Like, there w- is that what it's called? The Festival or the Fis- Festival of Lights or Parade yes, of Lights? Yes, yes. What, what a, and, like, how, you know, you're driving down and all you see is all the different light poles wrapped mm-hmm. with fun things. And mm-hmm. you walk downtown and it's, like, it's, like, you're, you're looking at, like, a 1920s movie sometimes. And you look at the pictures and you're standing like you compare the pictures from a hundred years ago, and you look at them now, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, that's what that is now!" Mm-hmm. And like, you know, being able to see that, I think that that's something that I mean, locals definitely get to appreciate, and yeah. kind of like, I'd say like, history nerds or people who mm-hmm. kind of are like excited about where they're going, like the history of where they're going, would appreciate. Yeah. Um, but I know that's something that we all appreciate yeah, too. Definitely. People often come into the Welcome Center and just say, "Wow, Seaside is just." They just literally just feel compelled to tell us. Seaside's such an amazing community, you know, like the people here, the volunteers at the events, the people in the in in the stores, and um, they often again say that, "Oh, we've been coming for five or six years," but you know, uh, you know, every single year or up to, I mean, even more than that. In fact, I've had people come in and say, "When did you build that building down at the turnaround? Like, <laughs> what the heck is that?" And I'm like. Are you talking about the world, Mark? I mean, that's been there for at least 20 years, right? I mean, I don't know. So, 
you know, people feel very strongly about <laughs> Seaside. So Seaside's a very tourist-based town, as we've talked about. So what exactly do you think Seaside would look like without tourism carrying it? Yeah, I saw that question, um, and it's, I thought about it. It's really, it's an impossible question to answer. Um, unlike a lot of other, unlike pretty much every other Oregon coast town, or Oregon town, or you know, non-major metropolitan area, tourism has been a part of the fabric of Seaside from the very start. It's not like, like Coos Bay, for instance, or a place like that, where you had fisheries and forestry industries that were the mainstay of the town, and then at some point there was, you know, a decline in those industries, and then tourism has stepped in to try to prop up things. If you look at a seaside signal from 100 years ago, tourism is main industry already. I mean, the seaside house that the town name comes from was built in, I think, the 1870s. Before Seaside was already a town, it was a hotel down by the golf course now. And the prom was 101 years old. So people had already been coming here recreationally for you know, 50, 60 years at that point. So, so it's really hard to detangle those, those things. But I, I, I think that more practically what you're asking, it kind of gets back at what we covered already about the kind of population densities and, and the, the attractions that are allowed to be here because that business is here and hopefully in the future continues to spread out and be year-round because from a business standpoint, it's a lot easier to operate and kind of get your supply chains and your staffing and everything in order for a year-round model rather than like a summer surge and then just completely quiet winters. So I think... I think um, that's a more practical answer. Mm -hmm. So as you were talking about COVID before, especially with tourism and COVID, do you think that COVID has affected us like positive or negative? Mixed. Mixed. Yeah, it's, um, it, COVID was, I mean, it's still going on. I, I just got COVID for the first time of like three weeks ago or something. Um, and, uh, but the experience here, it's been interesting. Um, when COVID first hit, of course, it was a 100% negative thing from a tourism standpoint. You know, I think the governor said, everyone stay home this weekend or whatever. And people just went to the coast. And so we had... It was two weeks to flatten the curve. Two weeks yeah. to flatten two the curve. Two weeks to flatten yeah, the curve. Yeah, that's right. And we had, I don't know if you guys remember, but we had all these people... It was crazy. It was crazy, right? But then we also had people like standing at the turnaround with signs saying "Go home" yeah, and all this kind of stuff. Know. It was not the kind of environment you really want to. On Highway Twenty Six, too, there was people standing at like the entrance to come into our town with signs put up on the sides of the road. Yeah, there was a lot of lot of uncertainty and a, kind of a freaky time for everyone. But so eventually, the city closed the hotels to short term stays, and the beaches and the parks and all that kind of stuff and that because because really their reasoning was that if you have the beaches open people are still going to come yeah. i guess is what, what it came down to so for a month and a half or however long all that stuff remained closed tourism was just dead yeah. and in fact during that time 
what my department was doing was uh, administering an emer emergency grant program for small businesses. And lots of these businesses that we've been promoting for, you know, years, we, we turned around and we're trying to kind of give a bridge to survive that period. And so um, eventually that grant program went out and, in fact, was, was copied by a lot of places around the state. Um, and then they reopened the, the hotels, and from that moment on, they've just been packed. And the, that sounds like a good thing, and it is a good thing, but what's more true about it is that they didn't have any staff. The restaurants didn't have any staff. The restaurants didn't know what they were going to be allowed to do from week to week as far as seating indoors and what the arrangement was going to be, or even if they could do indoor seating. The supply chains were all disrupted, and so they didn't quite know what their menu was going to be. The stores didn't have the things they wanted to have. Um, and so it was a really uncomfortable busyness. And it's not really a, a busyness that I would consider real healthy, but it was very busy. And, um, and like I said, we had seven consecutive quarters of record growth, just insane growth. I mean, we had that summer quarter after COVID, um, the bed tax receipts were like almost, they're like 2.75 million just for three months of, of just a small tax on top of a room night tax. I mean, it, so it, it, it was, it was, it was crazy. And what's happened is that because the demand was so high, it's driven room, room prices up relative to what they are. So now we're in a situation where the room costs are much higher than what they've historically been, which is kind of a strange position to be in for this town. Mm. So talking about um, how you said we are trying to prepare more with our law enforcement and our businesses for t to prepare for those busier times of the year, what are some of those things that we're doing to prepare for maybe a potential even higher amount of tourists coming in these next quarters? For us, when we look at the summer season, we actually expend like something like 92%, maybe 94% of our advertising budget in the winter. Like right now we're just, we have ads going out, digital stuff. I'm working on a new uh, digital campaign with the uh, New York Times online. Um, for the Pacific Northwest region alone and doing stuff with Alamo Week and we have all these ads in regional magazines and you know we, we uh, radio we're all over the radio stuff like that so lots of our expenditures are now when it comes to the summer season we switch off all of those things and, and go into kind of a uh, sustainability uh, good behavior messaging kind of thing clean up the beach, like the beach coins, if you've seen those around town, you know, trying to encourage people to kind of leave the place better than they found it. And that's really where our energies go in those summer seasons. And then we have other instruments, like we have a grant program that we administer every spring. And that grant program is designed as such to try to encourage events to happen in the winter and not in the summer. You can get up to $5,000 for your event if it happens in the off season but you're capped at 3,000 and you're discouraged from applying if it happens in the summer. So we have ways of trying to you know, spread that out and, and keep it more manageable. But of course, 
the free market decides how many people come in the summer. So we just try to do our part to make sure people are, well, we can't make sure, but try to encourage people to behave themselves. Yeah. How do you support businesses um, and advertising? Um, you know, it, we have, you know, lots of hotels, lots mm -hmm. of restaurants, lots of different coffee shops, lots of different, you know, retail stores. How do you support all of those different businesses and help them specifically stand out? That's what membership kind of based organizations do. So like the Chamber of Commerce or the Seaside Downtown Development Association, that's kind of where they fit in the kind of uh, hierarchy of all this stuff. So we're a city department and we're the, city, we're the city's official DMO, which is a destination marketing association. So sometimes chambers will contract with the city to do that marketing stuff. But in Seaside, again, because it's so just intrinsic to tourism is intrinsic to the town's character, it's a city department. But so we work at the destination level. So what we do is try to, like for instance, that visitor guide that we talked about, it highlights everybody. You don't have to be a member, there is no membership. We try to take a snapshot of the tourism economy as it looks when we publish it and we, and we showcase that. From a destination standpoint, when we're designing an ad, we're really going for emotional experiences. We're trying to get people to feel some affinity towards Seaside and try to go to our website or, or come here and, and explore more. We're not trying to highlight individual businesses above others because of, um, well, for a lot of reasons. But yeah. It, yeah, so it really is to try to get people to keep Seaside top of mind so that when they do get here, um, then those individual businesses can really shine make themselves known but there are ways to get involved like you know um in in the the one time that we really did help individual businesses was during the covid when we did the emergency grants and we let businesses apply for uh, i think it was like four thousand dollars in support um, but other than that um, you can advertise in our visitor guide mm -hmm. but we're going to put everybody in there regardless. The bonus to advertising is that you then get that space to show up how you want to show up, and then you get an expanded listing. So in the directories in the back, you can have a little blurb where you get a chance to talk about your business how you want to talk about it. But we're going to showcase everybody. It's just not really our role. Yeah. Same way that Travel Oregon is not about highlighting individual businesses in the state of Oregon. It's mm -hmm. about getting people to come to Oregon. That's our role to Seaside. Is that something that a lot of businesses take advantage of, advertising in that book? Yeah, we, get a, we do get a fair, fair amount, and um, it really adds character to the book. I mean, I really like it when people advertise. And the nice thing is the more people that advertise in the book, the more pages we can offer content on editorial. So, um, yeah, it, it get, this, this community is just outstanding as far as participation and, and kind of going in for the greater good. So we don't have a lot of problems with that here. In your opinion, how do we keep tourists from wanting to come back to Seaside after they have left? Wanting to come <laughs> back. Wanting to come back. From wanting. How do we keep them coming yeah. back? Yeah. Well, that's the magic of this place. It seems to kind of do it by itself in some ways. Because yeah. uh, it, I mean, it's, it's very often, it's, it's just, it's interesting how often I hear that from someone. I'm just like, I can't wait to come back. Yeah. I mean, this this is another thrown thrown back to COVID sort of thing. During COVID, uh, social media turned very negative. 
whereas we were getting all, we had to kind of go dark for a while because we we're getting all these negative reactions to everything we posted. Even if we had posted it months ago, people were finding it and posting negative things on it. Everyone had kind of lost their minds. Mm-hmm. Now we're back to just a much better place, and it's kind of fun because I have the, these notifications on my phone, and we have quite a few followers on Facebook and a decent amount on Instagram now. And so all day long, I'm kind of just getting peppered with these comments that pop up on my phone, and they're all just like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to come back to Seaside. It was a glorious five days. I want to live there so bad. You're all so lucky. And so it's like all day long, I'm like reminded, like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, like, this is great. This this is so nice. And um, a lot of people who will share their memories of coming to Seaside on our, on our comments and stuff like that. And so it really does, you know, kind of take care of itself but part of that is just investing just making sure investing in a healthy tourism economy you know if the if the businesses are doing well if the attractions are doing well if the environment is doing well all these sorts of things that you're trying your best to we try to support it in a lot of different ways uh, obviously we're not individual based but we try to invest in the destination like the t- north coast uh the north coast uh, uh food trail is a uh, is a sustainability uh, based um, food trail that goes uh, now from Astoria down to Neskowin. And so as a destination, we buy into that, you know, group, but then the individual destination, the individual businesses, restaurants in Seaside, like Maggie's on the Prom, Osprey Cafe, things like that, our two breweries, Mm -hmm. they have a nominal fee to, to participate. Their work is in sourcing sustainable things or producing things on site and so we kind of lower that barrier by paying for the inclusion in the program what is one thing that you hope to continue to build on and one thing that you hope to you know kind of expand or bring to um kind of the marketing aspect Mm -hmm. of seaside one of the things that often strikes me is that seaside's kind of a victim of its own success in that people think they know what Seaside is at a glance because they came here once 20 years ago or something like that. And so I'm often fighting people to look with new eyes and see what's here now. And so uh, going forward, what I really hope to do is make sure that we're still surprising people with things um, and aspects and perspectives perspectives of seaside so that they don't kind of fall into that rote acceptance of that one good trip they had or god forbid that one bad trip they had Mm -hmm. you know just making sure that they're open to it um because i mean that's well that's what puts all the joy in life is making sure you're looking with open eyes at things awesome is there anything else that we didn't cover that you want specifically to share with us or something special that you want us to know i don't think so just thanks for having me in here thanks for showing me your new studio oh yeah absolutely we're excited to have you back yeah um our very final question um is kind of kind of fun kind of um you know good for us to get to know you in a nice way to end um is what is one person or thing that inspires you one person or thing in the whole world? In the whole world. What inspires you? Something that may have inspired you to get where you're at right now.
Oh, man, that's a really good question. And it really depends on what year you're asking me this. Because if you asked me when I was like, six the answer might have been like a cheetah or something yeah you know like there's been so many inspirations (laughs) through the years um well uh, i really can't call out just one um I really can't call out one. The the biggest thing that comes to mind for me right now, and maybe it's a little sideways, but honestly, I couldn't do any of this stuff and focus on any of this stuff if it wasn't for my wife taking care of our three little kids at home, and especially my middle child who has type 1 diabetes and has a lot of, you know, needs constant work. And that those those things, homeschooling and all that kind of stuff, it'd be impossible for me to focus on this and any sort of, growth and 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 uh, professionalism and even traveling if it wasn't for that so that's probably the biggest inspiration awesome all right well thank you so much for joining us again today for our second guest of today's episode we will be talking to carrie lambert carrie is a director at the seaside downtown development association why don't you introduce yourself well my name is carrie lambert and i am the executive director of the seaside downtown development association all right what, the, what is the um, SDDA? What do they do? So the Seaside Downtown Development Association is an organization um, that came about in the 90s uh, just to kind of give a voice and kind of a facilitate meeting of business owners, managers, people that work downtown. Um, at that time, I guess, I mean, I was in high school and I didn't pay, pay attention to that stuff. Um, but apparently at that time, there was a lot of concerns that they had that they didn't feel like were being addressed um, or taken to the city. And so they decided to kind of get a little bit more organized and come up with a, a group and have more collective voice as well as, you know, they don't always agree or didn't always agree, and they still don't, but um, kind of come up with some common goals and uh, things. So back then, a big issue was cruising. When I was in high school from Warrington, we would come down and you'd get your car and you'd go cruise the gut. and. Apparently, they didn't like that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know. We still do that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that is a common, common thing. Um, that so was a big issue. <laughs> as the executive director, what kind of things do you oversee? Uh, what, what is your role? Um, so, um, you know, I talk about the cruising and everything. That was just one of the things. Uh, what the STDA has done is they have created several different events in kind of what we call the shoulder seasons that... Uh, non-busy tourist season. So you won't see the STDA doing hardly anything during spring break or the summer um, outside of doing some more administrative stuff. Um, but they do the wine walks. They try to get people in in November and uh, May to come into town and stay in our hotels, spend some money, um, just keep people busy, Get you know, keep the servers and the cooks and the um, retailers busy as well. So it just kind of trickles down. The owner's receiving more business and the staff is receiving hours and just kind of keep everyone a little bit more healthy economically. Um, We also do the um, flower baskets and the the starfish, the lightweight starfish. So all downtown, that is the SDDA as well. Um, We maintain the kiosk in uh, Downing Park that's down there between the Carousel Mall um, across the street from Finn's, but between Carousel and now it's Tis the Season, the little Christmas shop which is being completely redone by the city right now. So it's it's nothing right now, but it's going to be really cool in about a month. We had a, 
um, the OASC Leadership Conference oh, yeah. was this weekend, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I got to go. And um, one of the things that our leadership team did was after the conference was over, we did, like, a scavenger hunt around Seaside, like, riddles and stuff like that. And we just saw, like, in that area, just, like, a massive tree and, like, people, like, excavating and stuff like that. And then we, like, uh, there was something about, like, stars and stuff like that. So Hmm. one of us posed, like, with the starfish, asked the starfish, and one person was, like, a moon. And one person was the sun. And we we lost the scavenger hunt by a lot, but we had a lot of fun. Oh, Good. That's funny, and you live in Seaside? I do. (laughs) That's awesome, though. Glad you guys had fun. That's funny. So uh, what do businesses advertise to tourists to get them to choose their business, restaurant, events over others? So a lot of businesses, I don't feel like, do a ton of advertising if they've been here a long time. Mm -hmm. People kind of know who they are as a staple. Um, I used to manage Norma's, and Norma's has been there since 1976, and Dugers has been around since, you know, I know, I believe early 80s. Uh, Ping and Pancake has been around since the 60s. Uh, Moe's is new again to Seaside, but they've been around a staple of the Oregon coast forever. So um, a lot of businesses like that won't necessarily need to do much um, advertising. Um, and I don't feel like they do spend a lot of time doing that, whereas maybe a new business will have to do more to get the word out about what they're doing. Um, I feel like often as someone that practically lives downtown, it's amazing when I talk to other people, they won't even know a business is in town. Um, So I think we kind of stay in our own lane sometimes with our, you know, Mm -hmm. we just keep on going to work and not really paying attention. And we have some great stores and stuff here that maybe they're advertising online, but for whatever those algorithms, which I don't get, they, you know, they're not coming into view for those people. And we've gone away from... um, Cable TV, mostly, I believe. I remember uh, when I was growing up, I might be sitting there watching something, and uh, local businesses and stuff from Astoria down to Seaside might pop up. And I think that's changed quite a bit. I feel like I hear more, if anything, on radio. So um, I do know that we receive a lot of visits from uh, radio stations in the Portland area or that might, you know, try to get your business. And mm-hmm. I think it does work, especially if we have a big event. Like, we just had Halloween Happenings. Uh, the City of Seaside uh, helped sponsor that with uh, TAC Grant, um, Tourism Advisory Committee uh, funds, basically. And they spend a lot of the Visitors Bureau's money will spend um, advertising for that event, trying to get people just to find a hotel in town mm-hmm. and uh, stay there. And um, which leads me, I know the hotels do a lot when you search for a hotel. Like, they're investing some money in that, into how, you know, maybe they come up. Okay. So. What is one of your favorite events that you're a part of or that, like, happens in Seaside, and why is that? Probably Halloween Happenings. Um, it, it's stressful because it's the first year as I was a director of it, but um, in the weather, you just worry and <laughs> you pray, and we have a little rain dance that we do from Dawn Fujiwara Pavlik. She has come up with the rain dance for us, but... Um, we actually have gotten lucky the last several years. Um, but it brings a lot of locals and a lot of people from out of town. So it brings them downtown, though. Um, I couldn't believe how many people that I recognized that I hadn't seen in a long time. They're bringing their kids down. They're dressed up on Saturday. We do the witches paddle and then the canicum. There's probably only like 15 of us, and we're trying to get that to have more and more people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a scary thought, though, to get down in there in October. Because if you fall, it's going to ruin your day on the water. But no one's fallen, like, three years in a row. No one's fallen, so... Oh. I'd be the one. No, it's fine. <laughs> I can see that. 
Um, but then um, we also do like the carnival that brings in a lot of uh, businesses and community members. Uh, we, North Coast Family Fellowship came down and they did uh, a booth, U.S. Bank, um, uh, Linex of Seaside, Crafton and Seaside, 94.9 The Bridge, Grocery Outlet. They all come down, they set up uh, events or little games for the kids to play and they give them little prizes. And then um, the next day we do, you know, the pet parade where people bring down their animals dressed up and <laughs> usually it's dogs, sometimes it's goats, whatever. But uh, it's a lot of fun. And then we do the trunk or treat and then we do the big pumpkin drop. And so Clean Sweep comes in, they hoist up this huge pumpkin. We drop it off the turnaround into a pool and it makes this biggest splash. We have ducks and beavers flying everywhere that we've sold as a fundraiser. And it's so much chaos. Like this year, the pool emptied like an hour before it was. We were supposed to do it, and then we rush in to fill it in. And uh, Benny Olson's out there with his excavator, like bringing sand in, and we're like literally forming it around the pool, trying to reinforce it. And it all works out, but mm-hmm. it's a lot of stress. But it's great when it all goes down and works out, and brought a lot of people in, and everyone had a good time. And they were just up on the turnaround, laughing at us as we tried to build up this pool <laughs> and fill it again. And it, they still had fun, so. Mm-hmm. It's I good. remember, like, kind of working near there, I just, like, you see floods of people just coming off the beach after events like that. Yeah. Um, and it's, like, crazy to see, like, how many people really will, like, you, you, like, you hear about something and stuff like that, or, like, maybe you don't know anything about it, and then you see all these people, and you're like, what's going on? Like, is a tsunami happening? Yeah. But really, there's just, like, something fun for yeah. everyone to I just go do. Where do you work? Uh, Seaside Coffee House. Oh, no wonder. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you'll see a lot of people in that from that vantage point. Yes. Definitely. So just around town, what do you think tourists often like overlook? Hmm. Um <laughs> you wouldn't believe how often I have been asked over the twenty years around here, um, is the ocean that way? And they'll point basically towards the school. Um <laughs> before anything was built up here. But um, you know, I think, and I do this when I go on vacation, um, I like to go to the same places and I'll do the same thing over and over. And then you'll talk to someone else and you realize I've been totally missing out on something that should have been my tradition a long time ago. So um, I feel like a lot of people don't realize that we have laser tag in town now. They don't realize that, you know, you can go rent a paddleboard and don't go on the Nicanicum in the summer from Wheel Fund Rentals. Um, a lot of great little uh, restaurants of um, food that maybe aren't, our main core, you know, the ones that we're really well known for, um, they might not realize. Uh, I think that people are as aware of a lot of the trails and stuff we have around Seaside, uh, Flucci Creek and everything. I mean, Seaside is so walkable. It's one of the things I love for tourists to be here. You can literally park your car and not have to get back in it. But if you park your car, or if you get back in your car, you know, you you can go do so many things in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and those trails are great. The trails up here are great. Yeah. Um, so I think we just get stuck doing the same thing. So I think a lot of tourists know what they know. And if they talk to another tourist that's been coming the same uh, amount of time, they might have their own version of what they always do, and mm-hmm. they should probably talk because mm-hmm. there's a lot of other things they could do. Fair enough. Um, along kind of ties into that, what do you think keeps people coming back to Seaside? It's really weird. Um, because I think about that a lot. And I um, I managed Norma's, as I said, for a long time. And I'd always ask people, you know, because I'd see the same people back, you know, over and over. Mm-hmm. And um, it was interesting. A lot of it's nostalgia. I can't believe how many people whose uh, grandparents, or I should say probably great-grandparents, had houses here in the early 1900s. 
and they might not still have that house because mm-hmm. maybe they sold it and now they regret it, but they still come back. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of people who, yeah, we sold in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and now we wish we had it, but we still come back every year because they want their kids to have that same um, experience that they did. And, of course, nothing will ever be exactly the same, but mm-hmm. um, they love to just continue that tradition. I'm always surprised, too, when I've talked to people who maybe they've lived in Portland for ever their whole life and they've never been to seaside and like how like how did you manage that you know um so it's really interesting you know a lot of it I think is nostalgia if whether it's their own personal experience or they get here and it mm-hmm. feels like something else a lot of people will come in from like the east coast and like this feels like the Jersey Shore or this feels like um a beach in Massachusetts that was something I got twice this summer um so experiences that they've had growing up uh I think just, or it get, feeds into that something, that vacation they want. It's funny because my family is from Massachusetts, like most of my family, and I actually see that a lot. Really? Yeah, the Massachusetts beats, the beaches, I mean, yeah. That's, definitely. I mean, I think twice in like two days uh, this summer someone said that, and I've heard it before, but I was like, what is going on? Like, yeah. is this the same family? <laughs> but um, yeah, it just, it really gets, you know, that warm feeling for people to come back into town, and you know, the staples I mentioned, it's nice for people to come into town and see the changes we've made, the improvements, but at the same time also know, you know, Dugger's is still there, Norm's is there, mm-hmm. Dundee's is still there, Pig and Pancake, oh my gosh, everyone calls it Piggy Pancake, they don't even know what it's called, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, those things are still there, Yeah. you know, and I remember when World Mart came in, it was such a big issue, and then now, you know, everyone, it's been enough time people for people are fighting to, to get into that pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah, and uh, so it's just funny how sometimes the change is difficult, but eventually we get through it or something, yeah. accept it. But yeah, um, th- those staples, you know, it makes people feel comfortable, mm-hmm. safe. Yeah, definitely. So how do some of these businesses prepare for these busy times, like the busiest times of the year? So before it would be, you would, <laughs> before COVID, and maybe even before housing issues got even as bad as they were right before COVID, and they're really bad now, um, you would kind of, you would get ready to hire around spring break, and you would get then really to hire around um, June, make sure people are prepared, kind of check in with your high school and college kids, see when they're coming back, when they can work, what camps and vacations are they doing. That was kind of the, the way you did it, and then it would always work out pretty well because you'd have the ones that, They'd have to start sports at this time in August or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And college students would have to return, depending on what kind of school they went, either in August or September. You kind of have it plot out. Like, and it was kind of easy in a way. I mean, you'd have to do some work, but it worked out well. Um, I feel like in 2010, things changed quite a bit where um, we had a lot of apartment buildings. I might have the year wrong, where they kind of went away. They became condos and for sale and... Um, so I remember seeing a lot of people kind of move out and having to replace those people or figure it out, you know, then. And kind of like, oh, well, maybe we need to hire them now because we're not sure if we'll have enough people then and, um, in June. Mm-hmm. And kind of making those adjustments. And then um, right the few years before COVID really felt like the pressure from the housing was having an effect on long-term employees, adult employees. So right before COVID and during COVID, you suddenly had – under 18 doing the jobs that would have been the 18 to 21 year olds and Mm then the 18 to 21 year olds were I mean 21 year olds were suddenly becoming bartenders that was unheard of 18 year olds were servers 16 year olds were becoming servers in places that served alcohol they just weren't taking any alcohol Mm -hmm. you're seeing people try to figure out what they can do 
And so now I feel like how we prepare is completely different. Um, I think during COVID, you know, for six weeks, Seaside was completely shut down pretty much. And um, the hotels were shut down longer. The beach was shut down longer. Um, but we, uh, we found that a lot of the employees, when we went to try to, like, you know, get back in contact with them, like, uh, we just got notices that we have to leave because, you know, our house is being sold or whatever. So in, during COVID, we suddenly got really busy, like, towards, so if you're saying March was the beginning of, like, COVID in Oregon, um, we went back to work around May 19th, May 20th, I believe. Um, we still had a bunch of regulations, I think, but Seaside and probably all of Clouds County ended up being pretty busy the whole time because other counties in the state were shut down. And, like, Clouds County was the only one, to my knowledge, that wasn't for a very long period of time. Um, Lincoln City was shut down and uh, mm -hmm. that whole area. So uh, we were seeing people, like I had said, People like, oh, I'd never been to Seaside. I'm like, how did you manage that? Mm -hmm. The only reason they came to Seaside was because their usual trip wasn't available to them at Lincoln City. And so um, we were really, really busy and scrambling to find our old employees and find employees in general. And, you know, people were receiving more money um, as well. And they also kind of got a taste of staying home, like, and hanging out with their kids. And yeah. um, so that was really difficult. Um, going back to work in that situation we were doing like open to close days, maybe only one or two of us on the floor at um, like the Times Theater. Mm -hmm. And I know other restaurants and businesses around town were doing the same thing. Um, I should probably say I also work at the Times Theater. Mm -hmm. So um, it was kind of like you suddenly also have like the side task of trying to help people find housing or find people that are moving into town and, you know, and having them you know, go through the whole, okay, yeah, you can look at Zillow, you can look at Craigslist, but hey, I also know this guy who says that his rental might be coming up, so I'm just going <laughs> to also have you Facebook message him. You know, it was mm -hmm. really getting creative, too, on how uh, you would try to find people, and it ultimately resulted in a lot of people just working a ton to where when, by the time I got September, October, what's generally the end of the busy season, they were completely burned out. Um, and then we did it again. Like, it never really slowed down. No, so. Never all of 2020 and then 2021 was really busy. Um, same thing and just scrambling to find people to fill those gaps. And um, I've talked to a lot of businesses. They were constantly training. Um, they might have someone be working. They're just totally normal. And then not show up for four or five days and then come back like on the sixth day and act like nothing happened. And well, that wouldn't fly, it was crazy what you did kind of deal with. Like, mm -hmm. because you were desperate for people, you know, you You'd have your really good workers, but they needed time off or else they were going to burn out and they were going to not come back. Right. So um, there was a lot of changes to how we prepared, and I think we always constantly thought it was going to be temporary, and it still could be. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, we're in November 2022. Hopefully it'll all change. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, right now what we're working on is some of the spring breaks have been moved up earlier this year, so we're trying to get, like, a job fair at this school um, like the first week of March, just to get people prepared, those eighth graders and on, that you know, the 14-year-olds and on, see if we can get them into even working just a little bit to help prepare for spring break, summer, and all that. And now it's almost like you need 10 people to fill the role of five because, one, everyone has something going on. You know, we right. want kids to be able to do extracurricular sports, do the vacations, do the camps and everything. And, but we also need, we really need them. 
you know, for right. certain roles. And then, you know, same thing, you know, those parents want to take trips with their kids and stuff. So I feel like everyone is kind of always looking for, like, the superb employee and will hire them in the dead of winter when they don't have any hours mm-hmm. right now and give them hours just to hopefully ensure that they'll have an easier time when the tourists come back in droves. I know even when we were, like, there, when we were online, we only had school Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. We had Wednesdays mm-hmm. off. And so I would work on Wednesdays. And I remember even through that, like, whole COVID time, like, we were straight up online, Zoom, 24-7, all that stuff. And a Wednesday was just as busy as a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just as busy as, like, a Tuesday or anything like that. Like, you never knew what day going in. Like, you couldn't. Like, we couldn't staff. We couldn't be like, okay, I know I'm going to need four girls today, and, like, I could be fine with one or two on this day because it was, like, at any given moment, you could just have all of these people come in. And I think even for us, I know that talking to people, like, people were like, oh, my gosh, working from the beach is so much better than working from my apartment in the metro area. Yeah, and that's what happened, too. People were getting Airbnbs long-term or borrowing a, a, you know, a a house from someone or Mm -hmm. whatever. You know, they were doing whatever they wanted to and could, um, and so they were, I mean, we were just so busy. And it was so funny because we kept on walking around like, okay, this has to stop soon. <laughs> like, no, it has to stop soon. And, like, I don't know if we're going to be able to take vacation because, like, we don't have enough people. And it just kept on going, which was ultimately great, especially in the unknown of, you know, in March and April and May and even June, people were very concerned mm-hmm. about their businesses. And not every business did make it, but, like, there were some – you know, businesses have been around forever that, you know, they are having the same questions everyone else was, and then suddenly it just changed the opposite way, and our biggest problem is um, staffing. And so our problems then are, where do they live? Because that's their problem. You know, we have so many people apply for jobs in this area from Alaska, Portland, a lot from Alaska, I don't know if the deal is, but Alaska and Portland, Hillsboro, Beaverton, um, some people from California, but, uh, and I mean, sure, all over, but the first thing when they come talk to me, like, you're going to need to find a place to live. Like, you will have no problem finding a job. It's, you are going to have a hard time finding a place to live. So with all these, like, with COVID and all that, how are these businesses, how are they recovering from COVID? And, you know, I mean, each business is different. But, um, yeah, we really, like, like I said, business didn't fall off, generally speaking. So, like, I know, like, gyms, it hit them really hard. Oh, yeah. But, like, for the Times Theater, our business was up. Like, and of course, it's a newer business, so it's fourth year, just finished, so every year should be better, but where we were panicked, it's like, oh, actually, you know, I can actually handle maybe a slow day one day, but, you know, I mean, and now we're seeing that a little bit more, you know, it is leveling off a little bit, but um, it really depends on the business. Um, I just heard recently about a business that sold um, because she just needed to take care of other things, but she was doing... August numbers, which is, August and July are, like, the best numbers generally you'll have in this town, you know, when people refer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, she was doing them in March and April. And especially for the type of store she has, or had, that was really impressive. I had no, I did not see that coming. Like, I'm like, really? So, you know, people were really going in there for that, that much. And, um, but she still had to sell it because she had other things to do. And she knew that she was losing out on opportunity, but she was able to sell it at a great price for her. Mm-hmm. And, um... So it's hard to say what the recovery is looking like depending on the business because, I mean, the other day I walked into a restaurant. I'm like, why are there so many people here? This is amazing, you know. But, you know, overall I'd say it's going well. Um, I do think for our city council and the business owners, 
and the people on like the housing task force, housing is what's on their mind constantly. I'm constantly thinking about it. I will be driving by and I see a rental. I will write down all the information and then kind of take time. Okay, who do I know that needs one? Okay, if I don't know anyone that I need for my workforce, mm-hmm. then I'll send it out to everyone yeah. else. Right. You know, hey, I saw a rental. It looks like it's going to be okay. Um, but, I mean, that recovery, we... I can't say that we've recovered, but we are doing pretty well. It's just we need to, looking at summer, we need to be doing things to make sure that we have people that can live in town, work in town, and uh, just become part of Seaside community. How do you think that we create that sustainability for people? That's really difficult. Um, There are so many people working on it. Um, I always get frustrated because I see people like, you know, everyone, you call them keyboard warriors, whatever, constantly talking about our city council and people in the city that don't care about Seaside. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that think that our city council is paid or our mayor is paid. They are not paid. It's all volunteer. Um, there's a ton of task force. I mean, I don't think anyone's paid on them unless it's like, you know, maybe a city worker that has to go and, like, run the tech or something. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like, these people are not paid. It's people that really care. Um there's a lot of people that have their own property and everything, and they're trying to build housing that would be considered workforce housing, maybe not affordable housing because there is a difference, but mm-hmm. housing where people can go in, work, live, pay their bills, and have a happy existence, you know, and not have to hopefully live paycheck to paycheck. Um, they're trying to, but they're also balancing out the costs because all the costs went way up, and um, I have heard that some of those supplies have come down, but construction's up, so it's harder to find people to do these things. Um, City of Seaside, we have fees that aren't really changeable for, because being at sea level, my understanding is our whole city works with the plumbing and everything. It's not just a simple, easy, cheap thing. They actually work on it every day. So that can be hindering to people that want to put in apartment buildings, because it costs a lot to do like a hundred unit apartment building. So there are so many people working on it. Like, a lot of people that don't agree with each other politically and everything, they are all working on this 100% together because they need to see it happen. Um, and I think that is part of our sustainability for the future is just getting as much housing as we can so that people can stay here and live here. Because if you have someone that lives in Astoria, Nacelle, we have people that live in Nacelle, we have people that live in Vernonia that drive in to work in Seaside. One, you're going to need to pay them a really nice hourly wage just to make that worth it. And um, but maybe what is a nice hourly wage might not be enough with gas prices, with their rent. I mean, rent's not cheap anywhere. Um, and then what if they have a car problem? Suddenly you might be completely out of employee. Like, they might have to quit. They might need to go work in the community they live in. So I, I wish there were simple solutions, but I think we have to look at long-term solutions. Right. Speaking of long-term solutions, what are some of your, like, what are some of um, the Seaside Downtown Development Association, what are their, like, current short-term goals, and what are some of their long-term goals? So, short-term goal is that um, that job fair here in mm-hmm. Seaside. We really want to bring it up here. But, you know, we're really uh, trying to get all of our um, events back on track. Because, you know, COVID did take out the wine walks. We had one spring. We're having our next one this weekend. Um, so bringing those back. Halloween Happenings uh, last year was a huge success. This year it was a great success, too. Um, we had amazing weather last year. so But it was very successful this year, too. Um, 
you know, and then we always do the flower baskets and the um, the starfish. And so those are the things that we're like, we, we were initially really concerned, like, we got to get these back, you know, and see how we can just get them back to the level we're at. Now we're working on, like, okay, how are we going to expand these? Are some things getting too big? You know, do we need to tweak them? You're always looking at events. As you look at your businesses, what do we need to do? And then we're always looking at what do what does a downtown need? What do our business uh, owners, managers, and staffing need to keep people coming into town and um, keeping Seaside look good? It's not the SDDA, but we are lucky to have the city of Seaside, like our public works director, Dale, and the people there. They care so much. They keep the city looking good. Pam Fleming works on the gardens. Like, people notice that stuff. And I, I will even drive down sometimes, and I won't even notice something because I'm so used to doing it. Mm-hmm. People come from out of town, and they just see... Seaside, if you ever try to go look at Seaside from a tourist point of view, it's a, it's different. It's amazing. Like, it's a really beautiful town. You know, they, they just really appreciate the work that goes in there and how clean it is oftentimes. Now, sometimes it's not. Um, but we also have people that work in the city that, will literally, it's not their job, but they pick up trash. And I try to make sure I do as well. But um, having said that, I mean, those are kind of our most immediate goals. Long-term goals is trying to to just be where we need to be to help everyone succeed. So I, we do try to go in and talk to the new businesses and the smaller businesses that we haven't really seen involved. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you don't need to go to student, uh, student council, excuse me, you don't need to go to uh, city council, but, you know, just people that maybe aren't aware of what's happening in the city or that they are invited to the Seaside Downtown Development Association meetings um, to get involved in chamber, to get involved in these um, events as a volunteer or as a sponsor or whatever they want to do, I think sometimes you kind of have to go almost grab them by the hand and say, no, you're supposed to be here. We want you here. Mm-hmm. But just getting, we have a ton of businesses in town that I don't know that they feel that they're part of the community necessarily or they feel like they're on their own. And I mean, ultimately they are on their own, but mm-hmm. you can make those relationships that will help you, you know, uh, kind of get through the winter and uh, maybe help grow your business. And there's partnerships you see with hotels and restaurants sometimes. Um, you know, maybe you want to be open on the day that your counterpart is closed. Not your counterpart, but your competition is closed. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be like a brutal competition. It's just like, I'll close on the day that they're open and it'll be better. We'll mm-hmm. get a day off and maybe some business on the other days, you know, so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, for the businesses and people who do want to be able to kind of get involved in things like this, where would they be able to find those resources? There is so much out there. <laughs> um, so, so speaking for what I work on, Seaside Downtown Development Association, um, you can come to a Thursday morning meeting at the Pig and Pancake at 8.30 a.m. Um, it's a great group of people. You can meet a lot of people. You can um, go to Chamber of Commerce meetings on Wednesday mornings at 8 a.m. It starts at 8.20, but you can start at 8 um, you'll have to look online to see what location you'll be at on that uh, weekly. Um, City Council is the second and the fourth Monday of every month. Um, and they put out the information. Sometimes they are canceled or whatever. They put out a lot of information. From City Council, you can find out a lot of things that you may do. Like, um, they're always looking to fill board positions and um, task force as well. There's so many things you can volunteer on. Uh, Councilman David Pazowski right now is working on the community gardens. Um, I don't remember for sure, but I think it's going to be called the Seaside Food Forest and Community or some version of that. Um, But trying to get the community gardens set up 
that we have down across from Stop and Go on South Roosevelt and mm-hmm. South Highway 101, or yeah. not South Highway 101, but on Highway 101. Um, trying to get those going, but as well as more uh, going on at the school. He's uh, the old school, the broad, old Broadway Middle School. Okay. Uh, so they're working on that with uh, a tool library for the community so that maybe you won't need to go out and rent or buy equipment to till and stuff like that at your place. You can just go check this out, use it for a week or whatever, and then bring it back. So um, there's also the South County Food Pantry, um, the different churches and organizations. You don't have to go to these churches to actually get involved in what they do. You know, we're coming up Thanksgiving and Christmas. There's a lot of opportunity food baskets. I would recommend either, you know, reaching out to the Seaside Downtown Development Association online. You can email me through there. I can hook you up with people. Um, but, I mean, the Chamber of Commerce can. The City Council can. You go in the city, talk to anyone at that front desk. They can help you. And that's not my frustration, but I don't know how to bridge that gap where people understand, like, you guys can seriously go down there and volunteer. Anyone can go do it. Um, see, we see people online complaining about how the city doesn't care about them. Um or whatever, you know, and complain about the city, complain about city council, and these people are all volunteering, and they can too. Mm-hmm. And if they were to volunteer, I think they would see and appreciate how much goes into it and how much Seaside is really driven by volunteerism. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. so totally. much gets done. I was watching uh, fifth grade girls practice yesterday at the old Broadway Middle School. Mm-hmm. It's, the new name's escaping me. And, uh, you know, there's three men who have full-time jobs and careers that are all dedicating themselves to working with these kids for an hour, and I believe they're doing it with other grades, too, and it's it takes a lot, and it's great, and it's frustrating when I hear people say that people don't care, because Seaside, man, Seaside would be so different if we didn't have even a portion of what we have as volunteered, you know. Totally. And our final question for you, um, who or what inspires you the most? Oh, I hate picking, like, one thing. (laughs) It always stresses me out. It's a hard Um, one. So I think I'd have to say more of a concept of it's the volunteering. It's um, we the community recently lost someone, um, passed away, and uh, that person had just taken it upon themselves to go clean up the mill ponds, and you know just to start that mm-hmm. and just invite people out there and whether or not you were there, they were going to do it, and he was doing it and he did it and for quite some time and got a lot of stuff out there and that was. Uh, probably going into spring 2020, and then a lot of things changed, and I wasn't able to do that. But um, people like that, where they just see a problem, they don't care if the lack of other people being involved isn't going to stop them. They're going to go ahead and find it, and they're going to work on it, and hopefully people will see what they're doing and get on board and uh, help out. And that is really inspiring, especially for a town like this, where we do see some problems and stuff, you know. Um, there's certain areas of seaside that aren't clean, you know, but we, you know, there people are constantly working on cleaning them up, and uh, just that spirit of, you know, instead of passing the buck and blaming someone else or saying it should be someone else's problem, and just, you know, I'm I'm going to take care of this mess, whatever that mess might be, you mm-hmm. know, whatever the project is, and hopefully you can then inspire more people to come on with you. So I really appreciate that about people in this community. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us today.
If you want to listen to more episodes of the podcast, follow us on social media, or email us about the podcast, click the Linktree link in the description of today's episode. You can also find posters with information about FBLA and the podcast located inside the businesses of today's guests. If you want to learn more about how things are run or want to get involved in your community, check out www.cityofseaside.us to stay updated on the latest of what's happening in Seaside, Oregon. Production and editing completed by Brody Hillman, Abby Nofield, and Ryan Barroza coordinated with the help of Mike Verhos and John Rail. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Seaside 101. Once again, we're your hosts, Abby Nofield, Ryan Barroza, and Brody Hillman, signing off until next week's episode.